Welcome back, guys. We are here with the last air of 2022, and what a year it's been. Thank you all so much for your support this year. We've managed to hit a couple of really nice milestones. In 2022, air racked up over 50,000 plays and nearly 2,000 likes on SoundCloud. Of course, last month also marked our 50th episode. Don't forget, you've still got a few days left to purchase your 50th episode commemorative t-shirt available on EverPress at the link in the description. A few other housekeeping bits that we're moving to the top of the show. You can always follow us on Instagram at at underscore air podcast or visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash air podcast. A big thank you to my Patreon subscribers. I'm so grateful for your support and encouragement, and I'm really looking forward to bringing you all more episodes next year. I've already got some great stuff lined up for 2022 and can't wait to see what's next. On to this week's episode, which welcomes French producer and DJ Terence Fixmer. A fixture in the EBM meets techno scene since its creation, Terence has established himself over the past two decades as a creator of deep, hypnotic, dark electronica. His live sets thrive off the feeling of jumping into the unknown and the unpredictability of performance, thrills that also fuel not only his personal life, but his music as well. Often inspired by the excitement of uncharted territory, especially in his most recent album, Shifting Signals, which came out on mute earlier this month, in this conversation, Terence and I discussed his constant quest for new ways to explore, create, and live. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello. <laughs> so I want to start by talking a bit about live performance, which I think probably sort of most embodies this idea of jumping into the unknown that we've kind of decided on as a theme. Um, can you talk a bit about your approach to playing live and what it's like for you to be on stage in a setting where things can, I don't know, kind of be a bit unpredictable? Yeah, um, I like to do live because, um, first of all, I, lo I love to express my uh, own personality through my own music mm -hmm. which can be the same with DJ said but DJ said you are more uh, open to play music from a lot of people mm -hmm. and live is kind of selfish but I take it more like a artist way people like your song or don't like it but at least mm -hmm. it's your your personality it's like uh, a creative ego a little bit it's kind of ego but it's I don't think it's really, I will not say ego, it's more like you are an artist, you make your music, so you, you, you show your, your own music in a live way. 
So like uh, you tried, like people can recognize some music you released. Of course, unexpected uh, events because some sound are linked to a machine. And mm. of course, you're, you're dependent of the technique mm -hmm. at some point. For example, I, I play yesterday. I have a little machine. And there was a kind of sample. Who, I don't know why. cannot load. Uh -huh. <laughs> so at this moment, I have to... To think, oh wow, I have to jump on something else and I have mm. to recreate. And this gives kind of adrenaline, but it makes creativity as well, spontaneity, uh -huh. which I like because uh, you live really what you do. Of course, uh, you, you don't focus on other things like uh, dancing, watching. Uh, you're more focused in uh, your own world. Yeah. I, I like this kind of interaction with creativity, these machines. and uh, Definitely. So in terms of your live set, how much is planned out before you go on stage and how much is just like improvised on the spot? Of course, there's um, always like uh, some bass. I know I have to play this and that because I have an idea where I want to go, the kind of energy I want to, to create. I plan things, but it's never the way I plan. I realize, okay, now this time, maybe it's the time now to put more energy or more deepness or more hypnotic mm -hmm. thing and uh, even the, the the time the time zone when you play live is kind of at home when I because I train at home and uh, I say okay this will be more or less one hour one hour ten and sometimes it happens like uh, I plan things and I don't realize because of the mood the atmosphere you are in sometimes you are more deep in one track this track you play it long another track you play short and you realize oh It's, uh, <laughs> it's been an hour. <laughs> it's, or, or maybe it's, uh, wow, it's almost the end. Oh, I play only 30 minutes right, and right, I right. still have 30 minutes. <laughs> so what should I do now? Yeah. And, and this is kind of nice because there comes really this spontaneity and you have mm. to adapt yourself and to kind of create. And so you, you, you live with your life. You know, you hear the song, you know, like this spontaneity is nice compared to, uh, I will say, I don't I want to say bad things, but DJ set, you play the track, there's a building in the track, even if you do some loop and everything. But the live, it's more um, organic, it's the machines, and uh, so that's uh, the way it goes for me. The timing is an interesting thing that I wasn't mm. thinking about. Like, I guess you can't really afford to always, like, totally be lost in what you're doing because you still have to be thinking about, like, okay, how much time do I have left? Or how much mm. time do I have, been, have I been playing? Or even, you know, the crowd, you know, what's the crowd thinking? Or Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, of course, Um, you always plan things but uh, you arrive in a club and uh, the DJ before he, he, there's so much energy you know like people want energy or maybe not it depends how crowded or mm. not you, you try to adapt with what you can because you, you don't have thousand records you play live you have some machine you have some sequence programmed let's see yeah. <laughs> and so is there also you sort of touched on this a little bit but is there some yeah. parts of your live set that are left up to chance or not maybe not chance but like you know for example with synthesizers sometimes they can just kind of do whatever they want is there is there part of that i mean too? i have different lives i mean i have my some period because i like to change some machines mm -hmm. and i have my sometimes i have the, the my life with modulars mm -hmm. so so i have different modular vco and different sequencer and um just by touching a knob on the one vco <laughs> and it happened to me i the sequence is there you know yeah but The sound, if I touch something wrong, or then it's a different sound. And sometimes it happened to me like, wow, this is nice, but what is it? It's like mm -hmm. um, I recognize the sequence, but I don't recognize the sound. And then it gives me a kind of, uh, ooh, I did something <laughs> wrong. And you know, you, you have to think what, 
what is wrong? What mm. did you change? And at the same time, you know, you're people are playing, yeah, you people dance and everything. And so it's a lot of, uh, and you have to mix as well your sound between sure. the other sound and to to arrange something to bring something else. Mm. So it's a lot of thought and linked to some emotion, can be positive or negative. So of course, this is something uh, part of the part live. Of the yeah, yeah. Yeah. Christina Seely from Orphix also said something similar about mm. she actually really likes that there's that element to it of like, you have to be, you know, when something goes wrong and you have to fix it, but you're also still playing at the same time um, because it keeps yeah. her really sort of active and aware and really like engaged with what she's doing rather than just kind of like, okay, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. You can figure it all out kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And, the, and the funny thing I realized, uh, when you do live, you know what was wrong. You know what, oh no, there's uh, something wrong there, there's a mistake. You're really like unhappy. And after the live, you speak to some people and of course nobody notices it. Yeah. That's, a, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a cool thing. And sometimes you're like, yeah, but at some point there was something really wrong. You don't realize. And people say, no, actually, because you just take it as a techno concert. So yeah. whatever you do is the way you, you I wanted to do but mm. actually not all the time you know I guess you have to have a good poker face uh, yeah you, you, know. you, you try yeah yeah that's the thing that's yeah <laughs> anyway you focus you look I look down uh, you hide you know yeah so when was the last time or maybe a memorable time where a kind of risk that you took with a live performance really paid off whether that's something you know something went wrong in your set and you had to change it and actually made things better or maybe something didn't go as planned and it ended up working out in your favor uh, I mean uh, I to think Okay, I have a lot of different stories because I did mm-hmm. live for things. Uh, I mean, um, I remember a long, long time ago, uh, live with a kind of... Uh, I, I was u- u- using kind of a multi-channel. It was called Fostex D108. But then I don't know why the hard disk, there was a bug. It okay. was due to a shock for the plane. I realized it like after every one minute 13, the machine stopped. <laughs> oh, God. I have a kind of timer on the, this Fostex. So I know like, okay, at 1 minute 15, I have to kind of send a huge little delay to yeah. make a stop and play oh God. to restart <laughs> it. And I was like, that will be a nightmare. And I, I could do the live for one hour like this. If <laughs> 1 minute 15, I print up sound and effect and hop, and I re- stop and play uh-huh. to reboot and to... Build. And that's what you did. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one time I don't know why I did something wrong with connection. I've a long time ago Prince Waldorf and it started to burn when oh I, I play. <laughs> there, there was little little flame coming out, out of it. Wow. Anything can happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So does that kind of thing happen very often, or would you say it's normally the other way around, where you know you've been doing this for so long, as you mentioned, that you kind of know how to figure out most problems? Like you never really run into that kind of situation very often. Yeah. I mean, um, of course, because. It's always the, 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 the plane, it's always when you travel, it's always the, the mm. travel shock which can make trouble. So now, nowadays, you can pack really more small and you can have just a big sure. hand luggage. But um, that's why I always try to do a sound check to mm-hmm. be really sure. And then, when the sound check is okay, <coughs> you know, everything is work, normally it goes well. Of course, it can happen uh, sometimes you forget just a little cable or little yeah. uh, <laughs> ele- electric power for uh-huh. one machine, but it's a specific old one. You are like, oh no, can someone find it? But it's Sunday or Saturday, wow. everything's yeah. closed, and you are like, oh, but it's linked to your own mistake. Your yeah, yeah. <laughs> distraction so now um, I really really uh, I buy everything double as well but I can imagine there's also a bit of a thrill in those moments where you don't know what's going to happen or you don't know how you're going to fix something does that help keep things a bit fun for you yeah I think for me that's more the this 
concert way actually mm-hmm. it's more like uh, I always start as live anyway when I was young because to buy records was expensive you know yeah, and so I was like sure. oh <laughs> I prefer to buy one synthesizer uh-huh. I can make a lot of record to buy one record but you can do synthesizer or record so I always start live so it was more in my own thing mm-hmm. I like this way of mistake or improbability can happen yeah so would you describe yourself as kind of a thrill seeker in, in general like before we sat down today um you mentioned that you're into maybe more extreme sort of sports like uh paragliding and skiing and kite surfing yeah i mean um, i mean uh, i love doing a lot of sport but for my kind of balance of course i'd start kite surf like 15 years ago and so wow. I, I love this because of course when i play on the weekend you know it's a uh, crowded, it's smoke, it's stroboscope, it's uh, hectic, and then I have this balance with uh, the sport, but not sport at home, you know, mm-hmm. or in the gym or whatever, I like to be with this um, nature, which is totally different, noise, you know, like uh, when you uh, do cats, mm. link with the wind, link with the waves, mm-hmm. and uh, got as well some um, adrenaline because yeah. of uh, some moments, like two big waves, two big wind, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, yeah, I always love, love this opposition with the adrenaline of playing live in a yeah 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 club. of course yeah i was gonna say it seems like you enjoy that sort of maybe like a little bit of a dangerous kind of feeling like i guess it's more dangerous than playing tennis for example yeah 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 yes maybe linked to <laughs> adrenaline uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah of course uh, i mean same for paraglider it's like I'm, i do it it's like i hate but love to do it but yeah. I, I hate it but i love it because i'm I always stress when I go, uh, I look the conditions are good mm-hmm. for it. So it's like, oh, yes, shit, the conditions are good. I have to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you're happy when there's too much wind, like you cannot do paraglide. <laughs> I cannot go. And when the conditions are good, it's like, oh, yes, <laughs> and no, because um, you have this uh, tension, mm-hmm. this stress. But then when you start, you do it. And when you land... You feel so ah, yeah. relieved and um, li- live again, yeah. live. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you know what? I actually feel kind of the same way about doing interviews. I feel like often up until I'm doing it, I don't really want to do it. Yeah. And I think it's because of that same sort of thing where like, obviously I can't die doing an interview, but so many factors could go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the thought of it being n- not a good interview makes me not want to do it. But I, yeah. I always feel relieved. When Afterwards, you, yeah, it's yeah. done. Um, so I interviewed actually a big wave surfer who told me that even though what he does is really dangerous, there's this level of like respect that he has to have when he really understands the possibility of like what could go wrong. Like he yeah. could get hurt or he could die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is there some of that for you as well? Like, can you relate to that sort of respect that you have for the yeah, sports? Yeah, um, yeah, kind of. Uh, Kaisoff was really uh, like even more than 15 years. So it was really the beginning of the, the sport because I, I'm from the north of France, mm-hmm. near sea, and, um, and so there's big condition. It's called Huisson. Uh, it's big condition for windsurf normal uh-huh. normal windsurf and when it was kite i started in the early times which was kind of different from nowadays because the safety system were different okay. so you more really, dangerous yeah you really need to have the right kite surf size with mm-hmm. the right wind if there's 
25 knots and you have a 12 meters, it was too dangerous. But this creates something really like, it makes you kind of, okay now, there's this wind, I have this kite, there's this type of wave, and it's, it creates kind of harmony, I don't know, in you, mm. because you feel really like uh, dependent of the condition, and so you have a kind of uh, this relation with the nature. It makes you, yeah, really like small as well, humble, but <laughs> when you did it and you back and of course you, you crash in the wave whatever happened you know mm -hmm. but you, you you feel really good after you know you have like people who run all the time and you uh -huh. have this kind of adrenaline yeah. and it become a drugs in you and uh -huh. you, you need it like me when uh, there's big waves big waves I feel like my body <gasps> It was even so addictive, like you live on the wind guru, it's a wave uh -huh. five with the wind, and you look, there's a condition there, and you change, uh, you, you program your life around yeah. the wind. I mean, do you know what, what you were saying about, um, you know, you, ha you have to know sort of the base of it, you know, that you have to yeah. have the right kite surf for yeah. the right wind conditions yeah. or whatever. It reminded me a lot of what you were saying at the beginning of this conversation about how, you know, there's certain parts of your life set that you can control and that's what you yeah. go out yeah. there with and then the rest of it is sort of like up to the wind or yeah. up to the yeah. situation that you're in. Exactly. So there's a, you expect that and there's unexpected thing uh, mm -hmm. like suddenly the wind this rusty, d yeah. dusty, you say, I don't know in English, <laughs> dusty, because <laughs> you have the wrong kite and uh, you have to find a way to go back to the beach, but you're too far or mm -hmm. you or your kite fall in the sea and uh, oh the, the, the wind change a bit, it becomes a bit offshore and mm -hmm. you are like, oh no, I have to go, or you break a line, it wow. happened. I mean, I have a lot of crazy <laughs> things, but uh, at the end, uh, okay, I'm still so here. <laughs> That's the charms mm -hmm. and it makes you love the, the sport. Definitely. So have you always been into those types of sports? I know you just said you've been doing kite surfing for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, I also read that you were in the national service when you were in France when you were younger. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so maybe that's something that also, I don't know, sparked your interest for the outdoors. I mean, in the army, I was in the, we call it the French hunter, uh, mountain hunter. Mm -hmm. I was in this kind of mountain army <laughs> where we have to sleep in igloo. Oh, wow. And uh, we have to climb a thing. And, uh, <laughs> so I always love this kind of uh, you and the, the nature, but the, you know this... When you do catch surf, you are, you're not alone, but uh, yes, people do, but this open sea... I'm always paranoid with a shark, for example. Okay. I don't know why, it's, <laughs> I'm traumatized. But, you know, I see sometimes, I, I could see dolphins or a, sure. a seal, and you see, hey, if there's seal, maybe there's a shark. But this gives you, like, something you cannot control, you know? And the same for mountain, you are in this uh, beautiful, it's kind of beautiful, but there's a part of danger as well. Mm -hmm. you, you cannot control. It's like uh, you're not in your home, you can control uh, <laughs> the heat, you know, and uh, make you humble and give you kind of addiction to this huge nature opposite yeah. to the club when it's full. Yeah, I think for most people, the, everything that you've just been saying about um, the danger of it is yeah. probably what turns most people off of doing these things. Um, it yeah. sounds like it's motivating for you yeah it makes you feel alive or maybe it's something maybe it becomes slowly with the years you know you start something uh, which you thought you cannot do mm -hmm. i was living near the sea now i, I live in the um, mountainside so I, I cannot really do kites off weekly like i do before mm -hmm. so i, I kind of tra transfer the kites off life in mm -hmm. the paraglide you know okay <laughs> so it's still with the air it's wow. still with a kite but it's a different thing so these Danger is kind of attractive because you, you mm -hmm. flirt with it, but it's a danger you normally, it's safe as well, you know, because mm -hmm. uh, it's a sport and uh, it's a sport, uh, if you do correctly, if you listen what the teacher learn you about the me meteo, the wind and everything, mm -hmm. 
something normally you should manage, but you still have <laughs> the option of, yeah. and maybe this something make, yeah, maybe I like. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, it's kind of like going to see a scary movie in the cinema. It scares you, but you also know that you're safe. And I guess like when you've practiced something and you know what you're doing, then scary, but you also know yeah, yeah. how to be safe about it. Yeah, yeah. it's like you, you, you don't want, but you want, you know, yeah. you like, but you don't like, you know. <laughs> those feelings that we've been talking about you know the adrenaline and the danger and um, I guess you know, also you mentioned feeling more humble and feeling yeah. smaller are those feelings that you can kind of harness when it comes to going into the studio like I know that you're inspired by nature so do those experiences help you when you then want to go and be creative yeah yeah I think it's really part of my balance because when um, I did this paraglide day or whatever mm-hmm. I feel really more relaxed as an artist, I mean, you it's kind of a um, lonely life, you know, you, you're alone with your music, your mm-hmm. studio, and uh, of course you have some friends, but you call, but at the end, create something. Without this escape, it will be too crazy for me to stay and to, to produce, because I will feel like a beast in a cage at some point. With this sport, makes me really more relaxed, you know, mm-hmm. then I'm really more open. Everything's more open, everything's more clear in my head. And I know that some people need to live in city and to have a lot of interaction with mm-hmm. the other artists. I don't need this because I, I know I have my sound in me. I know what I want to express, but I need this, this nature alone and the, 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 the sport to evacuate things and then to right after in studio. I interviewed an artist recently who said that he used to be the type of producer who would go into the studio every single day and like force himself to write something. But then he actually realized that that wasn't working and because he wasn't ever going out into the world and doing stuff like living his life day to day and having life experiences, traveling, seeing people that he didn't have anything to write about when he was in the studio. So then he's kind of switched everything to prioritize life experiences in order to have the inspiration to create. So is that something you can relate to as well? I really don't force myself to go in studio. It's really with a feeling. I'm usually morning. I like to make music in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm really not night. I'm, because in the morning, I'm seeing I'm really fresh. Uh, I have my normal sleep, normal normally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I wake up, my ear open, fresh. Sometimes I can go doing music when I have something uh, one week in a row and uh, because I have something I want to, to do. But sometimes I, I don't want to, to do music at mm-hmm. all. I really don't force myself. I'm not like, 
have to do music. It's really when when I feel. Even sometimes I remember like uh, when I do music, I have to finishing. But then I see there's good condition for other things, <laughs> and I say, oh yeah, the wind is here today, so uh, I, I stop my work <laughs> yeah. and I stop the music thing or the remix. I have to finish. I choose first the <laughs> to go for the the more fun things and to stay at home in a studio. I think there's sort of this way of thinking where you have to be productive all the time yeah. or like always you know do one thing productive thing per day but I kind of think you don't you shouldn't really force yourself to do something productive every day it's probably going to be more productive if you allow yourself to not do it when you don't feel like doing it if that makes sense yeah yeah totally I mean uh, me uh, I know I know some friends who are really like uh, like a job like uh, okay I wake up go to studio to the studio and uh, go home uh, and, and it's Impossible for me. Mm. Impossible. Uh, it's just really me. I, I, I go really with the, the feeling. I'm quite productive. I mean, uh, if I will do that, I will have too much track. I'm even difficult for me because I do a lot of track and I cannot choose uh, because I love them all. I mean, mm. maybe they are really horrible, but <laughs> personally, I love them all. So it's really with the feeling. It can happen for one month, two months. I don't touch uh, one synthesizer and I'm not the studio rat. <laughs> Talking about all these sort of life experiences that you've been having, you know, go, going out and doing sports and being with nature, how did those life experiences influence your album Shifting Signals? Were you able to like take those experiences and put them into something that we can hear on the album? I mean, um, I mean, usually like, because I do this sport for many, many, many years, so it's, it was always in me. But on, on this album, because I, I never really think on, on theme, because I know a lot of people do albums and they have a particular theme, and me, I work more with a flow feeling, and uh, I'm in a mood of period of time for six months, I have this kind of sound of mood, and then I will uh, create. Because when you make music, some, there's some image that come to your mind, you know. On a lot of tracks there, there was, oh, I can really imagine uh, this vision, we sure. know, like, uh, there's a track called Condebrim, for me it's the fog horn mm -hmm. of a boat, you know, but imagine this this fog, uh -huh. the sea, and this, uh, you can hear from far this kind of fog horn from mm -hmm. a boat, but you don't see, I kind of feel different atmosphere in the album. Before we sat down today, you also mentioned that the unknown was a big part of the ideas behind this album. Can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, in, um, I mean, I, I like this unknown scene. For example, I, I say a bit in the album, there's um, Ferrance on the Alien. Mm -hmm. But it's not on the horror side of the movie. Right. It's more about the... Um, it's strange. I really like uh, just a scene, for example, there's this uh, Nostromo pastel, and you just hear this noise on the back, you know, the engine. Mm -hmm. It just stays there all the time on the movie, it's on the little vibration. This was really inspiring for me, because you know it's an engine who run but to go where? This vast, this open space, <laughs> this is the unknown and future, the human nature, where we're gonna go, the relation between mm. the people, and until where we go, you know, this unknown is kind of... Uh, yeah, attractive. <laughs> yeah, and so when you're talking about, you know, th things that you're thinking about or um, atmospheres that you're in, yeah. how does that translate into the music? Like, is it just that you're taking this feeling and thinking about it when you're producing? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's more about image come to my head and uh, from the sound, which can be an atmosphere. So a lo lot of track of this, you know, like uh, there's a track uh, called Ottoman. I really can imagine this... Uh, I.e. robot, uh, <laughs> I don't know, it's like, <laughs> but of course, 
every year one uh, you listen a track you, you will see maybe uh, some cowboy uh, running with uh, horses and me I will say you don't feel a space shuttle uh, <laughs> crashing on the moon no no I feel a frog uh, jumping in a tree <laughs> it's personal so apparently you work in a very instinctive way in the studio in a very very old interview um, that you did you mentioned that you just go in and kind of let your body take over like you're not really thinking necessarily about what you're doing it's just no, kind of happening I, I totally I love accident so I, I will not say I don't know what I do but I think almost I don't know what I'm where I'm going but at the end of course you have a sound in me you you know like someone who love house will do house you know mm-hmm. me I've love this kind of uh, atmospheric techno dark or energetic so it come always in the same world but I really let the accident coming, you know, and it's more like I let it go that way, in fact. It kind of goes back to what we were saying at the beginning of this conversation about live performance and how you can kind of do anything. Like, it's a bit unpredictable, that sort of, like, unplanned part of it. You're kind of in this situation where, again, you have that kind of base knowledge and then you let it go wherever you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think that's different to how most people... I I don't know. Uh, some are really, really like, they know what they want to do, they know what songs they want to do, mm-hmm. they know what melodies they create. They n- Me, it's really not that that way. It's really like try and error and, mm-hmm. oh, 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 how mm-hmm. I did that sounds good. I like it. And uh, it's just, the, for me, it's more like the, the aptitude to recognize, oh, record this, I like it. Right, right. It's not so. like, I want to go there, I will do that. It's more like... Oh, what I did. It's yeah. nice. I record it. <laughs> the, the really funny thing is like, um, sometimes I listen track of me. It's like, wow. It's like, I don't remember when I did this track or the mm-hmm. moment because it's not a trance mm-hmm. mood, but almost because I'm so in uh, my world. And when it's done, it's finished. And uh, you re-listen to it. You were like, wow. And then when the song comes, it's like, ah, I will do it exactly <laughs> at the same moment, like yeah. I will listen track I did 20 years ago. <laughs> oh, I will put this laser at yeah, this yeah. moment too. It's, it's like another person. It's mm-hmm. really funny, this feeling. Okay, so two things based on what you just said. Uh, the yeah. first is you mentioned that, okay, now I need to record this. So you're not recording the whole time that you're working no, in the studio? No, 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 really not. Uh, I don't want to lose a hard disk for <laughs> nothing. And have to, no, no, it's just uh, really spontaneous and um, I, I let it go without direction. But then suddenly, oh, I like it and um, then uh, I record it. But it's never like, I will do that. And so if, if you're not approaching it from a sense of like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And you're making something like an album. How do you ensure that everything is sort of cohesive or goes together, or like fits in the same sort of world? That's the hardest part for me yeah. because I'm I produce a lot, so I have a lot of mood different, and um, so sometimes when I make a lot of track in the same time time frame, yeah, it would be maybe, but sometimes no, and sometimes I put track on the side and on the side, and then some track have maybe one year, two years uh, difference. Mm. But then I like, wow, I really like this atmosphere and I want it on this album. And um, for this new album, I think it was more that way. I tried to, to make a lot of different track, different mood, you know, some are really melancholic, some are really melodic, some are more techno. Mm-hmm. But at the end, when you listen all the track, you, you, you I hope you recognize my personality, my sound. And I, the funny thing I realized when I did some album, you do one or two tracks and you know, okay, these two tracks will be the 
club track for the yeah. DJ, they're all gonna take those on. And on this album, it's so much different vibes, but keeping my own universe. I see a lot of DJs, they tell me, oh, I love this track, and they, a lot of DJs have different track. Mm -hmm. So at some point, I like, I kind of reach it, yeah. because they all have a different pickup. It's not all time the, the two track, uh, everybody say this two track. I guess you never know. It's true, you, ne you never know. It's the worst, the worst to, to choose, to decide, <laughs> because as an artist, you like every track, so you then you... Actually, sometimes even, um, you I let myself influence, you know, so I... I I choose a track, then I ask to someone, you say, oh no, not, don't take this track. Uh -huh. Then you don't take it and you have a little frustration in you because um, I don't know why as an artist you doubt of yourself, mm. you know, you have this kind of insecure. So you ask to one friend, then you say, oh, this track called X. I ah, know it's really, no. <laughs> then you say this tra track X to another person, oh, I love the track X. <laughs> and then at the end, I'm back alone. It's like, oh, I have to choose myself then. Yeah. You realize like everybody has different opinion and everything. And so sometimes you regret mm -hmm. to have not choose this track or to let yourself influence by uh, other. For this one, uh, it was hard selection, <laughs> but uh, I select myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so beyond, I guess, these kind of life experiences that we've yeah. been talking about, um, are you also inspired by the machines and whatever, you know, hardware or software that you're using? Is that also something that fuels your creativity? I mean, of course, um, I mean, I like machines, but um, I, I will take machines more like a little uh, boy who wants a toy, you know. At some point when I realize I have so much track unfinished, ready to be finished, and uh, oh, there's a new machine, and <coughs> at the end you will buy this new machine, but you know, you can do the same sound with another machine you have. Sure. <laughs> So I'm, I will say the machine is more personal in the sense you can touch the knobs, play mm. with it, and then it's this, this kind of analog sound. But mm. I'm really, um, for me at the end, it's what you do with the sound. It can be a digital from a plugin mm. or a machine or even from a fork on a, on a table. <laughs> it's, it's like what you do, what you, f you feel, it's the result. It's not the, the way or the process you... You do it. Do you think that your creativity has changed since the early days of your career? Um, you know, for example, when you were experimenting with EBM and techno, when that sound was relatively new. Yeah, um, yeah. Were you approaching things differently at that point? I mean, when I start produce like 98, with my first release was electrostatic. The word techno EBM was not existing. Mm. So there's a... I think maybe it was Groove Magazine or I write something like mm -hmm. Techno EBM and so then uh, I did my album like Muscle Machine which was really the, the stamp on this um, mm -hmm. Techno EBM but for me I never thought of it it was more like I'm doing music and I'm doing techno for for clubs. After the years, of course, you you change, but uh, maybe you have a trademark follow you as well, which is sometimes because when you kind of this uh, one who spearhead this sound, people will say, oh. Um, this guy is this sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes you're like, oh, but have they listened to music or not really? <laughs> because it's different. But of course, you keep in you a sound. We'll say it's not EBM. Of course, I did this techno EBM mm -hmm. with my project with McCarthy, but I did a lot of techno as well. But it's more this, the, the, the atmosphere. I mean, it's, what is important is to put a, a soul in the music. Mm -hmm. Like um, when you are in a, in a club and you hear the track, it's like, Oh, 
interrupt you, there's a story, you feel a song, a techno song, in actually, you know, with maybe a start, a development, and a conclusion, and this, uh, and maybe it's dark or melancholic, it's more my universe. I wonder if maybe it made things easier, you know, when you were first starting out, before anything had a kind of label to it, before you had that stamp or trademark. Yeah. Because you could kind of do whatever you wanted and nobody was really expecting what you were going to do. Yeah. So was it was it easier to kind of experiment and try out things? What I realized is like, I've kind of, I, I, won't, I will not say the word, but I've kind of fans who like my music and mm -hmm. different type of fans. There was the ones who really love when I do my this techno EBM mm -hmm. and there was the ones who really love when I do this techno, uh, hypnotic, uh, clubby one. But both of them, they, they don't like when I go techno. The other way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this, I, I like it as well because I like to to, to you know, actually in my life it's more like that. It's a mm. kind of travel. Uh, sometimes I go to please, let's go a bit EBM-ish. Then let's go like this dark, hypnotic, uh, crazy uh, brainwashing music. <laughs> And at the end, it's my song, it's my universe. And so what about in terms of taking risks? Um, was that easier to do when you were first starting out compared to now? You know, you've been in this industry for so long and you've yeah. kind of like risen to the top of the mountain. And so <laughs> now you have like, you know, if you if you take a risk that doesn't pay off, it's like further to fall than when you were first starting out. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, 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 totally. I mean, like, uh, okay, when I started this album, I was starting during the pandemic, and I don't consider myself a musician. Um, okay. I do music, but uh, for me, uh, I mean, uh, when I was in school, music, I was really, really bad. But during the pandemic, I, I put myself with piano. Like, uh, oh, let's try piano. And, and then uh, I created a lot of different tracks, really melodic, which are not released, but I kind of like, and I'm like, maybe they're horrible, maybe <laughs> it's like... Uh, kid will do the same or yeah. I don't know and I make you listen to some people and they were like wow it's nice and, uh, and then I realized oh maybe I should try to to not put myself prisoner in a club and on this album for example there's a one track I say for first time I put some little piano on a track called Synthetic Mind you know which was more like a kind of a John Carpentry 70s 80s movie you know and I say okay now uh, don't be shy or afraid I, I finished the album with uh, I think for me, it's just my personal uh, opinion, but kind of a beautiful track which is called Desertic, which mm -hmm. is kind of really slow with a mood. And I say, um, for this kind of track, I will no, not dare to put it on an album before. Mm. And now I, I, I put it, you know. And so maybe like uh, on the next album, I will try maybe this opposition, like extreme hard techno with more melodic one.
I like what you said about like not keeping yourself in the box of only making things for the club. I yeah, think yeah. that's really important also. And I think yeah. that also is a risk. You know, if you spent your whole career making music that is for the dance floor, yeah. it is a risk to, to try something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And as well uh, with Mute, because uh, the album mm -hmm. came on Mute, I mean, Mute for me is like... Um, like legendary label with sure. uh, so much different artists really creative artistically and of course um, I know I'm allowed whatever I'm allowed because they will let the artist uh, express and it will not be like hey you're on this label you should be techno like this and mm -hmm. you know it should be uh, you but in club so that's kind of uh, let me more um, easy in my head to go without uh, like putting myself under a barrier or gates. So what about when you think back to the early days of techno, like, you know, when techno was first coming over to France yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. a really new sound. Yeah. What was that like for you, kind of hearing this really new sound and like having that sort of unknown? Before the techno, I mean, uh, I was uh, like a teenager. I remember like we all have a kind of US bag <laughs> and people write the, the band of the, what they like. So people write U2, some write uh, CDC. And sure. me, it was, I was 14. I was really, what can I write? <laughs> uh, there's nothing I like. And then there was this uh, electronic um, new beat uh, because I live from the north of France, mm -hmm. near the Belgian border. And there was this band called Font 242. Okay. And so it was, wow. I love it. And then I realized oh, what I love is the synthesizer, mm -hmm. the sound of synthesizer. It's not guitar, it's not, uh, it's really about synthesizer. And then there was, uh, because I, I live north of France, there's this new beat movement. Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of this EBM, there was a new beat coming. And then I, for me, it was this kind of evolution of EBM. It was the modern EBM. Okay. More club because there was a beat, you know, it's like 120, 20, 20 BPM maybe. <laughs> and I found out like, um, I love new beat, and then from new beat for me it changed more clubby and slowly techno, and then I was like, okay, I found it. <laughs> that's I love. That's electronic music. Yeah, that's the start. I think there's really something to be said for like experiencing something that is totally new that you kind of fall in love with right away. Like, can you remember, for example, your first rave experience and what that was like? I mean, um, because I live in the north of France, there was a kind of club. Of which was famous at this time, called a Bucket Show. Okay. And this club was so the temple of New Beat and uh, the early techno with all this Frank De Wolf uh, at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was young, you know, and um, <laughs> I couldn't go in the, the club because I was too young. Sure. <laughs> and But then I knew a guy who was a painter, a teacher painter from friend. He can go there and so one one I remember one time uh, with a friend we we make up on the escape of my house Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, because it was uh, I was too young and yeah. uh, this guy was uh, has a car and with a friend we join him and we drive to this club thinking like yeah, maybe it will be fine and we we could get in this club and then it was really like uh, wow, what is this hmm. new world mm -hmm. it was like uh, because um, the sound, the, the, the atmosphere, you know, like this time new beat, it was really like everybody was a kind of dress code in mm -hmm. black with a kind of way of dancing. Sure. I will not show you, but I can dance a bit <laughs> really good. And then that was really the um, new life experience, a new world opening. And mm. 
passion coming, new passion. I love that. I love all stories of people's first rave experiences because yeah. I just love that sense of like you don't know even what you're getting yourself into and then you go there yeah. and your yeah. mind is sort of blown. Yeah. Um, but I wonder if it's lost any of that magic for you. You know, you've been a part of this industry for such a long time and I guess now there's not so many experiences where you feel like, I don't know what I'm going into um, and it's, it feels like so new. It doesn't have that new world feeling anymore. I would say, I mean, uh, I still love to go in clubs because I still love the, the, the social, I love techno, so I love it. But what I realize now is nothing surprised me. For example, I remember like um, in the early 90s, there was this track from, uh, you know, Dominator. Mm -hmm. And the, the sound of uh, Dominator was like, What is that sound? Because <laughs> I never heard of sound like this. Because at this time uh, you was EBM or new beat, but this sound was like, what is this sound? It's like you never heard a sound like this. Mm. And I remember I was I tried to find a record and uh, listen to it like maybe 40 times in a row because it was really like a new experience. Mm. This time early techno 90s, a lot of track. It was a new sound. I remember like the plus eight, uh, you know, there was this uh, one of my favorite tracks, um, what's Vortex, mm -hmm. Final Exposure, and at the end, Get Crazy. But it was like, what are those sounds? Like every song was new because um, synthetizer techno music was, was okay. new. But and nowadays, like, I really surprised from the sound because yeah. I have the thing like every sound, I, I know it. Like Robert Hood, you know, there's the sound of Robert Hood, this minimal empire, mm. but you can listen still some kind of music, but I already know the sound. Yeah. I don't know if technically it's possible to have a non-new sound. Mm -hmm. Because at this time for me, the, 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 the sound you hear sometimes was really like, I never heard on TV or when yeah. you move. Uh, here, it's every sound, you know the sound. Yeah, I mean, I guess that makes it so that you feel like you need to innovate more or try new things more like try to find a new sound but I think also at the same time maybe it's enough for it to just be a new sound for you you know you mentioned the piano before and maybe yeah, yeah. maybe that's just enough for it to be like that's something that you're trying out and that's new for you and it doesn't have to be new for everybody yeah I mean um, I will yeah I mean the, the, the piano thing is just like uh, to be musical mm -hmm. but the sound it's hard to have a new electronic sound mm -hmm. which makes you really like what is that sound what what kind of machine to do that there's no new sound there's new song uh -huh. new atmosphere new sequence but there's not something like you don't know what is it so is that making things a little bit like are you are you saying that you're getting a little bit bored no not at all because uh, what, what i see is like i love the sound it just then you have to create a new song a new sequence a new mm -hmm. construction a new arrangement everybody has his own uh, personality which make a track new and interesting but it's just about the the, the technical sound you know like uh, this is maybe i don't know if we have all made all the sound you know <laughs> i don't know i don't know if technically it's possible or maybe it should come from uh, another planet yeah. uh, sound you, a sound you don't know so what are you doing these days to keep that kind of excitement and magic feeling alive for yourself as a producer and as an artist or a live performer i mean for me it's a passion so uh, i still love this creating sound even if it's not new sound creating atmosphere and uh, vibes and so this it's something i cannot get bored and uh, I, I, I always have it in me and I realize like yeah after like 20 years uh, like this it 
must be really a passion because uh, <laughs> so I'm really true and honest to my passion and uh, I, I don't get bored and uh, the day I get bored I will stop not now I think. <laughs> You've been listening to Terrence Fixmer for Air Podcast, episode 51. We'll be back on the last Wednesday of the month with another episode, so check back in January for the first episode of 2023. In the meantime, follow us on Instagram at at underscore air podcast, or visit us on Patreon at patreon.com slash air podcast. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.